TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allowed 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months. This is Issues 2021. I'm Steve McIntosh and our guest is Sedgwick County Manager Tom Stoles. Welcome to Issues 2021 again. <laughs> it's, only been a Thank few, you. it's only been a few weeks since you last, you last appeared on the program, but a lot has happened since then. I'd like to get an update on what's happening in Sedgwick County government. And can you walk us through the events leading up to the suspension and then the resignation of Sedgwick County Emergency Medical Director, Dr. John Gallagher? Sure, Steve. I'll, I'll, uh, first of all, thank you for uh, inviting me on and, and giving me the opportunity again. Um, and and this, the, the EMS um, story uh, goes back um, some years. And so let me talk just a little bit about history. Um, in the world of emergency services and public safety, uh, police and fire institutions are centuries old. Um, the, the profession of medical service or emergency medical service, uh, EMS in Sedgwick County, for example, has been here for uh, just under 50 years. So in the world of history, this is a burgeoning um, profession uh, and one that is proving to be uh, growing more complex and more highly difficult with every uh, passing year. Uh, so many years ago, uh, uh, you know, when I was a young police officer on the street, um, the ambulance service was, uh, you know, they come and they transport you to a hospital as fast as possible so that physicians um, could begin to treat uh, your sickness or your injury uh, how, to the best of their ability. Uh, EMS today is a highly complex um, uh, work, and they actually, I, I always say, they take the emergency room at the hospital and bring it to your living room, or they bring it to the street side where your accident's at, or in a field or in a grain elevator, wherever you're at, where there is an emergency or trauma, they bring that emergency room to you. Um, they're highly trained. They give medicines. Uh, and they're, they're providing treatment to you. It's, it's not just rush you to a hospital. It's stabilize you, treat you, and then, and then transport you. So um, there's two sides in the EMS world. There's the operational side and the clinical side. And the clinical side is, is getting more complex, and the operational side is, you know, staffing and training and, and all the things necessary to keep people uh, in that occupation. And historically, there's always been a bit of tension between clinical and operational. Um, uh, and so in 2019, when, or in, actually in 2018, when our previous director had, had retired, uh, we took a look organizationally at other kinds of models of, of EMS. And a thing that makes EMS a little bit different than police and sheriff and fire is when you go from jurisdiction to jurisdiction, 
uh, it, it, police agencies are very similar. When you go from Minneapolis to Dallas to, to Kansas City to Tulsa to Wichita, the police departments look the same. The fire departments look the same organizationally. Uh, with EMS, it's not that way. There are many different models of EMS uh, jurisdictionally across the board. Uh, everything from privatization, private companies that run services to government services, which is the model uh, that we have here in Sedgwick County. So when our when our director retired back in 2018, uh, the, the manager at the time uh, wanted to look at other models, which uh, started this thing. And one of the models we looked at was the physician-led model. Only a handful of organizations in the country were um, employing that model. Uh, and But it made some sense to us. It made sense to me, I'll be honest with you, that because of the rising challenges and, and complexities of the job, that a physician-led organization made sense to me, and it would take away that conflict between operational and clinical sides of the house. Could we, we'd have one house. So we saw it as a way to break down silos and maybe provide a more efficient and better service to the community. Now, while we're going through that analysis, and we looked at this for a, a solid year uh, before employing it, uh, the employees did speak up and had concerns about moving into this model, and they had concerns with the, the current OMD at the time, which, which was Dr. Gallagher. And we, we talked about it a lot. We met with them and heard that. And, every, and I've been involved in three previous consolidations. And in every consolidation I've ever been involved with, there is consternation from employees. That they, it's just a natural, I think, human instinct that we, we kind of like what we're doing. We don't really want to change. So we talked through that, and at the end of the day, uh, in a public meeting, we, we did the presentation uh, and decided to move forward with the physician-led model. And my hope was that a professional leadership team and a professional staff would work together to resolve whatever the conflict was, whatever the consternation was that existed, going, uh, so we could better provide services for the community. And the long story short is that did not it did not happen that way. It did not work. Uh, I was d disappointed uh, in the effort of the leadership to reach out to the employees. Um, and at, at the end of the day, uh, you know, we, I met with all employees in late April. Uh, not all employees, but a lot of employees. Uh, we, we had meetings at the Extension Center. Uh, and I, I met with over 100 employees between these two meetings. And their, their complaints and their voices uh, raised significant concerns, not of what could happen, but what had happened. Uh, so we investigated uh, the matter. We actually hired a third-party entity to come in and talk to all EMS employees. And at the end of the day, it was, it was obvious that we needed a leadership change, and, and that's what we went through the last, um, you know, about a month ago now. Uh, we, we made the change. We, uh, to move forward, we have a new interim director. He's a, he's a, he's a street guy, Kevin Lannerman, 30-year um, veteran. Uh, I have confidence that he's going to be a great interim to, to bridge the gap until we do a national search for a, for a new director. Um, we will bifurcate the model again. We'll have a clinical and operational side, and we'll try to manage that as best we can. And I know the employees will help with that. They're, these are professional people. Um, we're, we've... Uh, we're, We've signed a contract with a local physician to provide our medical director services right now. In other words, in the state of Kansas, you have to have a physician 
that oversees uh, your EMS. So we have hired a, 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 a temporary local physician to handle that. We'll put a request for uh, uh, purchase out for that. We'll put an RFP out, a, a bid out, and find a more permanent replacement. And it could be the same doctor, but we'll do that through competitive process, uh, get that stood back up. Uh, the employees, uh, the employees helped me decide on an interim. Um, I got many emails from them uh, making the suggestion. Uh, the employees will help drive this forward. They will help hire a new director. Uh, they will help. Uh, we, we all think that an advisory board uh, is is a prudent uh, method to move forward, so that we have a group of you know seven or nine people that can help guide and steer EMS, um, and the employees will help design that and set that up. So we're trying to move forward. Um, organizationally, I'll present a policy uh, either next week to the commission or the week after regarding um, dispute resolution, and it, this goes past EMS, but it's a it's just a professional policy uh, that allows employees access to management to bring grievances forward. Um, I, I come from a union world. We had police union over at the city, and, and the city of Wichita is, is heavily union, fire, police, and, and service employee. Uh, in the county, we have no unions um, that have bargaining power, so we're trying to create an environment where employees are empowered to bring challenges forward. Uh, and they can do so without uh, worry of retaliation or problems uh, so that we as management can dig into that and try to help resolve these issues uh, uh, at, a, at the lowest level possible. So there's a number of things we're doing organizationally, and a lot of it um, we had talked about even before the pandemic as a management team uh, because we inherited an organization uh, in 2019 that um, – there, there was some morale issues, and we talked about improving the employee status here by pay and uh, good supervision, uh, good environment. And then COVID hit, and it just kind of parked us into neutral for over a year. And, and we're, we, we hoped we had gotten far enough in COVID, and now we're kind of resurrecting all that and beginning to try to do everything we can to empower employees here organizationally, uh, EMS included, to, to move forward and make the organization more professional and, and, and more well-managed. All right. Now I'll go to question number two now. <laughs> okay. All right. Sorry, that was a long, long answer for uh, no, but, it's a complicated question. Yeah, no, good, good information. It really was, and I appreciate that. Uh, I'm going to get some general uh, background now. How, how many people are actually employed by Sedgwick County? Uh, we'll employ roughly 3,000 people full-time and part-time. Um, we've in recent history, we've been, um, you know, after the recession in 2011, 2012, we settled into about 2,700. Um, so uh, we're always between 2,700 and 3,000. Uh, and we are, we have some staffing challenges today. I don't, the total number of employees probably today is less than 2,500. So what, uh, that must keep your human resources people busy with hiring, firing, and benefits, uh, benefits management. Well, it's, you know, you try to, when you, you know, if you look at county organization, um, for years and years and years, the, 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 the pay just didn't seem to be keeping up with the kind of work that the people were doing. And the, the current commission that we have, um, they're very willing to look at this. They're very, they, they've authorized a market analysis study for us to do. And when we came through the market analysis, and we actually started this before COVID, 
but again, it, we were kind of delayed when we were managing the pandemic. But the the studies show that we we need to improve the pay of the county to be competitive uh, in 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 society. Now the pandemic has taken that and made it even worse because there's just um, there's an employee shortage right now, and it's universal. You, you can read about it in the national news every day, uh, and the, particularly the kinds of service that Sedgwick County provides, which is you know, 911 and, and sheriff, uh, the calm care people, corrections people, these are, these are services that are on a good day, very hard work. Uh, and the pay, if the pay is not there, those employees or those people, A, it's hard to re- attract them to that work, and B, it's hard to retain them because they're seeing other opportunities in private sector or even other government sector that they can go and do a similar work and get compensated more. So we're, we're, Full bore on to this. The commission is full bore on to this. We're, uh, it is a very busy time for our HR uh, on the two topics of retention and recruitment uh, for these important services. So we are barreling ahead and trying to be very aggressive with how we manage this. Now you're listening to Issues 2021 on the Odyssey radio stations, and our guest is Sedgwick County Manager Tom Stoltz. You know, Tom, in the business world right now, we're seeing big delays in delivering products. Computer chips are not there. Cars and trucks are not making it out. Appliances. Are you seeing any of that in county government? Yeah. I mean, we, we, we feel all that. Um, we feel, I mean, we're in, as a government, we're in the business of maintaining a building or many buildings, actually. So anything that's lumber related or part related, we're feeling the same pinch that other, other consumers are feeling. And at the end of the day, uh, you know, when you, when you don't get as good a service as you think you ought to be getting and you ask what's going on, they're, they're explaining these shortages of, of, of personnel and staffing and also just commodity and shipping. And you end up saying, we'll do the best with, with what we have. And, and that's really where we're at in um, county government right now. We'll, we're going to do the best we can with what we have. We're going to continue to provide the best services. But it's a challenging time on a number of levels. It's a challenging time with human resource. It's a challenging time with commodity resource and the kinds of contractual work that plumbers and electricians and business people provide. It's, it's, it's stressful right now. Um, I had a long discussion. We talk a lot, of course, with um, the COVID issue with hospitals and what they are going through um, with staffing and the same kinds of supply issues are, it's very concerning. Uh, and I know they're very concerned. They've been very public about that. And, and, and I feel like we need to support them as a community because they provide such an important service for our, for our people, for all of us. So everybody's feeling it, Steve, and the county is, the county is no different. You're almost finished with, with the budget process uh, this year. Are, you gonna see, are we going to see any reductions in services at the county? There's no planned uh, reduction of services. Um, now, if, you, if, if we have trouble staffing certain areas, for example, in ComCare right now, uh, we have uh, several openings. And if you don't have people there to provide the services, to provide the counseling, uh, to provide the therapy, then you are reducing services. It's not voluntary. It's, we're, we're, it's a staffing issue for us. So we're trying to shore that up. But in this year's budget, in the 2022 budget, there is no planned reduction of any service. What's the single largest item in your budget? Is there one that's just over, overarching is the biggest item? Uh, it's always in government budgets. It's usually public safety in the county is no different. Um, 
188 million or so of our budget of our of a 460 million tax non-tax budget uh, is public safety. So it's it's a public safety services. That's your uh, your sheriff, your DA, uh, 911, uh, fire. Well, and fire is its own separate budget in the county, but uh, EMS, corrections. That that gobbles up so much of a government budget. And, you know, every year when we do a budget, we always try to, it gives us time to step back and make sure that our government is the right size, that we don't allow government to get too large uh, and become cumbersome. Uh, And we try to get it as lean down as we can because it's the people's money that we're spending and we need to be uh, very cognizant of that. Uh, But in the public safety world, business is, uh, is really good right now. There's a lot of crime. There's a lot of issues with uh, uh, society uh, right now. Uh, so our jail is busier. Our our district attorney's office is busier. A correction system is busier. Nine one one is busier. All of these all of these public safety entities continue to grow, and we've had a lot of introspective discussion at the county level about why that is, and maybe and you hear a lot about the term criminal justice reform and diverting people who maybe don't belong in a criminal justice system into a system that helps them. And this, this begins to talk about mental health, substance abuse, homelessness, and could we better spend monies as a society helping people instead of incarcerating them and pushing them into a justice system that everyone admits does, is not going to fix the problem. So that's the kind of heavy-duty discussion uh, that we are having now as a county, and the sheriff is involved in that, as is uh, the district attorney. Uh, our commissioners are very dialed in on that discussion, and it's we call it a, the, the pivot. I mean, you either continue to feed uh, the justice system and it just continues to grow and expand, or you, you make the conscious decision to pivot and then move people into a diversion or some other type of system that will get them the help, the core help, the mental health help, the substance abuse help that they need rather than set them in a jail or in a prison. Uh, to, and, the, and the goal is always to try to get them back into a functioning member of society again. So we're having, um, I mean, we're, we're doing a lot of things at the same time because we have to continue to operate the system. There's a backlog in our courts, mostly pandemic uh, caused, that we have to address budgetarily uh, and through the use of grant monies through ARPA and other uh, federal grant monies that we're getting. Um, But we also have to keep one eye on the pivot, and that's moving to a better system, a cleaner system, and ultimately a more efficient system uh, for taxpayers where we're truly providing help and not just not just throwing numbers at a, at a justice system. So, so how do you describe the, the situation right now at the Sedgwick County Jail, uh, the detention center? Well, it's it's you can talk to the sheriff about that, but on, yeah, on a good yeah. day, that's that is a, that is a stressful situation. Uh, the j- a jail is different, and even I think you and I have talked about this. Jail is different than a prison. Uh, a jail is a fluctuating society where there's a lot of people coming and going. There's a, there's a certain percentage of people that are fixed there that are longer-term uh, kinds of commitments. But a prison is more of a community. It's stable. There's some coming and going, but not to the level of a jail. So I would argue from a justice perspective 
that it's harder to run a jail than it is prison. I, I, I firmly believe in the sheriff is, um, we have a good sheriff here, a, a good DA, good system. Uh, and then you throw in COVID and, and now Delta variant. So COVID's kind of, uh, you know, we're having to reconcile that again within the confines of the jail. Uh, the sheriff uh, is running into the same staffing issues that other parts of the county and other parts of the community are running into. It's a very challenging job. And we always say that, you know, when you go into government work, you're not going to make a fortune. You, you, and, and that detention is that kind of industry where it's it's really valuable work. It's If you really want to make a difference in people's lives, uh, it's great work. But, you know, you're not going to get a ton of money because uh, it, because it's government work. So. He, he's challenged over there. He's challenged with stress of, of, of staffing, uh, the kinds of just what's going on in society today, uh, the kinds of violence we're seeing, the kind, how people are treating one another, the amount of hate that's in our society today. He feels all that over there in that jail. So I, I know it's tough, but uh, he's got a good staff. He's a good sheriff. We got good people over there, and and they will do the best they can. Now let's talk about about you and your job, and and you've been to how many years have you been to the county as manager now? Uh, I started in uh, in the first quarter of 2019, so I just finished two years of getting close to about two and a half years now. So, so, so if you yeah. look at your your job every day, what's the biggest challenge you face uh, coming through the doors down there every day? Well, it's it's the evolutionary uh, process of just what's happening in society right now. Um, the, the probably my number one uh, stress is our workforce uh, uh, retaining and and recruiting uh, employees, uh, trying to uh, move a budget forward. That is, you know, in the world of government, we all we we move at the speed of glacier a lot of time. We're we're slow. Uh, and because we have, and there's there's reasons for that. Because we're we're spending the people's money. There's a lot of budget con- constraints and rules. Uh, we have to maintain solvency within the county. So we try to we're trying to pivot a ship here, to uh, in to enhance uh, employees' uh, pay, uh, their training, their ability to grow, and all of there's a cost that comes with all that. And we try to do that within the confines of a budget. So. That's the number one stress today, and it just happens to be the time of year we're in because it's budget time, and we're getting ready to adopt here in a couple of weeks. Uh, and the commission's very dialed in on this and, and are, are with me on this. Um, everything was – we're plenty busy without a Delta variant, uh, but that now seems to be coming to a forefront again. Uh, our, our testing and our vaccination um, oh, yeah. uh, systems go. are being challenged again. Our, our, I mean, we're – I mean, just this week now um, – you know, we had we had moved testing from the extension center over to uh, one of the buildings in the park, and now we're having to look at expanding testing again because of the presence of Delta. Uh, so we'll have to reconcile that very soon. We're trying to promote as best we can vaccinations and as make it as easy for people to get those as possible because all the science shows that if we can get a, a more highly vaccinated uh, public, that it, it helps to stem the tide on these variants that will continue to hit us. So. Uh, I would say COVID is probably the number two concern uh, right after a workforce and budget. So. What, what's the biggest reward for your job? Well, <laughs> you get, I'm having to search for that a little bit, but no, it's you know I've always loved working with people, and I love I love working for the people of of the the city and the county. Uh, I grew up here, my family's here, my roots are here, I'm invested here. Um, been on the street as a police officer, uh, and and 
I, I mean, I just love this community. So the, the reward is if we can do something to make the community better and help them get through a very tough time, um, then that becomes the best reward that I can, I can hope for. And we'll do the best we can. We, sometimes we fail and we make bad decisions and we struggle, but we always try to get up and dust ourselves off and, uh, you know, try to do better. And, and I'm committed to doing that. So, um, it's just if we can make the community better and help the community through a tough time, that's that's a reward enough for me. Well, let's let's both of us hope for a, for a better year ahead <laughs> after some of these things have happened. Uh, yeah. we, we appreciate your time as always to spend a few minutes talking about what's going on in Sedgwick County. That's a lot going on down there, and we appreciate you taking some time, Tom, and uh, helping us fill in the cracks and educate the public a little bit about what's going on with Sedgwick County. As always, right. again, thank you so much. Uh, our guest, Thanks. thank you, Steve. Thank our, you for the opportunity. You bet. Our guest is uh, Sedgwick County Manager Tom Stoltz, and that's all for this edition of Issues 2021. We'll be back next week. Thank you for listening. I'm Steve McIntosh. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. That clock at four. Doncic. The Step Back 3. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.